Well, good morning. morning. Some of those are just a little bit too relatable, aren't they? Well, uh, last week we started a series called Relationship Goals, talking about how we can pursue um, healthy relationships and how we can have goals for different areas of life, different uh, relationships in our life. And last week, Matt kicked us off talking about singleness and really how every relationship problem that we have in our life is first a singleness problem because we bring ourselves to every single relationship that we have. And so we started off trying to uh, define singleness biblically and trying to make sure that we elevate singleness because our culture has so degraded that. And today we're going to be extending that conversation into the world of dating. We're going to be talking about what the, the Bible has to say about who we are today and, and how we are to date. And everyone in here has their own experience, I think, when it comes to dating, even if that experience is zero, right? Uh, for me, uh, I've had one girlfriend my entire life. Uh, her name is Joanna. She's the first girl that I could ever convince to go out with me. Um, I'm only sort of kidding. Um, and so this month, we'll, be have, we'll have been married for four years. So that means we'll have been dating for about seven uh, years. And, and so that's my experience when it comes to dating. But d- for you, depending on your experience when it comes to dating, maybe when someone brings up the topic of dating, there can be a certain emotional response to that, right? Maybe for you, it's thoughts of romantic dates, it's thoughts of finding that special someone about companionship, or maybe for you, it's on the other end of the spectrum. It's thoughts of hurt, it's thoughts of heartache, it's thoughts of maybe even hopelessness. And perhaps for many of us, probably a lot of us, it's kind of a mixed bag of both ends of that spectrum, And so whether you're single, whether you're single again, or you're currently in a dating relationship, my my intention this morning is to talk about some principles from the Bible that will help us in current or even future dating relationships. And if you're in here this morning and you're already married, I know there could maybe be a, a desire, a tendency to maybe check out of a message like this, but I'd like to encourage you to lean in for two reasons. Uh, first is that you have people in your life, or you will have people in your life who will be dating, and, and I hope this morning to, to give you some advice, some principles from Scripture that will help you help them. And secondly, I think really what the Bible has to say about dating, the advice that it gives about dating, is really applicable to anyone in, in any kind of relationship, any station of relationships. And so here's our question for this morning. What does the Bible have to say about dating? What does it have to say about who we are today and how we're today, what the purpose of dating is? And well, the short answer to that is that the Bible says nothing and everything about dating. And here's what I mean by that. The Bible does not directly speak to the issue of dating. You're not going to find a single verse in Scripture that, talk, that uses the word dating. And here's why. In biblical times, there really wasn't such thing as dating. It's a fairly new invention. Uh, for a lot of human history, marriages were arranged, so there wasn't really any purpose for dating. It wasn't really a thing. And I'm sure some of you parents in here wish that you could arrange the marriage of your child. But I think all of us are pretty happy that our parents did not arrange our marriages. I think all of us are happy for that. But regardless, the Bible doesn't uh, speak to it directly because it wasn't a thing. But at the same time, the Bible has a lot to say. It has a lot to say about singleness, it has a lot to say about marriage. It has a lot to say about the type of person that we should be and the type of person that we should marry. And so in that sense, when we pull together what the Bible says about these different things, the Bible actually has a lot to say about dating. 
I've said this before, but the Bible says something about everything. Well, it doesn't speak directly to every single topic or issue that we might uh, face in life. It says something about everything. There's examples, there's principles, there's wisdom to be found in the word of God. It doesn't leave us directionless in these important areas of life. And so let's first talk about dating uh, just kind of generally. I think there's kind of two ends of a spectrum when it comes to dating. I think most of the world around us would practice what I would call casual dating. This is where you're dating probably just for fun. Um, You're dating just for companionship. Maybe you're dating just to sleep together. Uh, Some people date casually because they, they feel like they just have to be in a relationship all of the time for whatever reason, maybe because the world around them tells them that's what they have to do. And so they just hop from one relationship to the next. I've always got to be with somebody. Well, on the other end of the spectrum is what I would call intentional dating. This is where you're dating with an eye towards marriage, where you understand that, that uh, you, the purpose of dating is to figure out if you want to marry that person that you are in a relationship with, if you want to spend the rest of your life with them. And as followers of Jesus, I think our standard for evaluating uh, somebody's uh, fitness for marriage, if they're the person that we should spend the rest of their life with, is number one, are they pursuing Jesus with their life? And really number two, are they pursuing God's design for marriage? Our standard shouldn't be, are they cute? Are they better than my ex? Uh, Do they make a certain amount of money? Uh, Do they put up with my ridiculousness? Although maybe some of those things would be good. But those, those things shouldn't be our standard as we are evaluating somebody for marriage. Our standard should be, are they pursuing Jesus with their life? Intentional dating is acknowledging that according to scripture, dating is not a destination. Dating is not a destination. It's a way to get to a destination. And that destination is marriage. And so the purpose of intentional dating is to get married if you determine that's, hey, that's the person I want to spend the rest of my life with, or break up if you decide that they are not. There's really only two ways that you can ever end a dating relationship, either you break up or you get married. I know that's super profound stuff. I'll be here all week. Um, So often, so often we think of breakups as a failure, We think that if we break up with someone, that means that we have failed at dating. But if the purpose of dating is to determine, do I want to spend my life with this person, then breakups can actually be a success. That means that you've determined, okay, this is not the one. This is not the person I should spend the rest of my life with. And I I know breakups can come with so much heartache and so much pain. But I want to encourage you with this. Good singleness is better than a bad marriage. Good singleness is so much better than a bad marriage. You are so much better off being single and wishing you are married than being married and wishing you were single. The pain is so much greater. And so here's what I think. If we pull together the, the wisdom of Scripture and what, and what was Scripture has to teach on this, here's what I think we find. Dating is more about being the one than finding the one. Dating is more about being the type of person that that I should be, that scripture calls me to be, than finding some mystical person out there who's going to solve all of my problems. Dating is less about how to find the, the one, whoever that might be, and more about becoming who God calls me to be. 
Our culture will tell you that dating is all about how you can uh, find that person who suits you, that, that mystical person out there who's going to solve all of your problems. But I think the counsel of scripture would say that really dating should more be more about how you can become the person that you should be first. I think dating God's way is about running towards God as hard as you possibly can and and pursuing your relationship with him as much as you can, running toward him and then looking around at who is to your right and who's to your left and and maybe you decide that that's the person that you'd want to date and then maybe you decide that that's the person you want to spend the rest of your life with and pursue God together. But so often, what do we do in dating? We see somebody who's maybe catches our eye, somebody who's really cute, but they're not really keeping up with us in our relationship with God. So what do we do? We slow down so that they can keep up with us. We lower our standards so that, they, so that we can pursue that relationship with that girl or that guy that caught our eye. We lower the bar and we settle for a, a, a lesser relationship with God, a less intense, a less intimate, a less passionate pursuit of Jesus because we really want to be with that person. We lower the bar. We settle for less. And And if I can speak to the ladies in the room for a minute, I think this is especially dangerous for you. And here's why. Scripture calls men to be spiritual leaders in the home. One day I'm going to be held accountable by God for how I led Joanna spiritually and how I led my family spiritually. And so ladies, if you find a man who's not going to be leading you spiritually, I promise you that that is not going to end in a very good marriage. It's not going to end in a very happy marriage. You're not gonna, you're gonna find yourself kind of lonely because he's not pursuing Jesus as passionately as you are. And so if you settle for less, that's not gonna lead to happiness. Probably gonna end up to you being, feeling alone in that marriage. And I promise you, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And so please don't, Lower the bar, don't settle for less. God has more for you. And I don't know, I cannot promise you that that more for you is marriage. As we talked about last week, dating, or excuse me, marriage is not the end all and be all. Singleness is not a curse. Singleness can be a gift from God. And so I'm not promising you that that, that better for you, that, that whatever God's plan for your life is marriage. But I can promise you that he has something awesome and amazing for your life if you will follow him. And so follow hard after him, run hard after God. And if you look to your left and look to your right and there's no one around who's keeping up with you, maybe God's calling you to a season of singleness. And maybe you need to uh, lean into your relationship with him and, and ask him to help you see that as a gift from him. But don't settle, because you'll end up being married and lonely, and I promise you, that is far, far worse. So this morning's message is not going to be about three easy steps from how you can get from, from dating to marriage, because again, if you go single your whole life, that's not a bad thing. But if you do end up getting married, my hope is that you will have a successful marriage, and a successful marriage really starts with successful dating. And so here is the greatest advice that I can give you as you consider dating. Here's what I think scripture would point us towards. That if you want to date well, you need to become the person you are looking for. You need to become the type of person that you would want to marry. You need to be the type of person that the person that you're looking for is looking for. Become the type of person that's pursuing God, that's pursuing God's design for marriage. And if 
you really wanted to be in a relationship right now and, and you're not, this is probably not the advice that you were hoping for. You were probably hoping that I would give you some, some trips and some, some tricks, excuse me, on how to uh, get into that relationship with somebody. And I can remember being in high school and, and I, I desperately wanted to be in a relationship probably starting about uh, ninth grade, I really wanted to have a girlfriend, but I was going to a public high school where very, very few girls were pursuing God with their life, and the, the few that were, I was just not interested in. And then uh, there was a few girls at youth group that I kind of liked, but it just, none of that worked out at all. Um, and so there was, for all of high school, um, I really desperately wanted to be in a relationship, but I didn't have a girlfriend until I started dating Joanna in college. And, and during those years, I had some wise people who spoke into my life and who helped me see that if I ever wanted to be in a good dating relationship, if I ever wanted to be in a good marriage relationship, I first needed to work on me. I needed to make sure I was a healthy person. I needed to make sure I was pursuing God. I needed to become the person that I was looking for. I needed to make sure I pursued God with my life. And I didn't always listen to them super well. Um, there was a few relationships that I tried to pursue, but thankfully God shut all of those doors, and I'm super thankful for that. He protected me from some, some things I didn't need to be in. But I'm thankful for those who helped me, helped me see that I needed to become the person that I was looking for first. I know so often in our world around us, it's, it's focused on the people out there. How can I, they make me happy, but I think the counsel of scripture would say, I need to look inward. I need to make sure I am the person that I should be. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about three qualities from Scripture that will help you become the person that you are looking for. And these are really also qualities that you can use to, to evaluate anyone that you would want to date or even anyone that you would want to marry. And so we find these qualities in the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. And this, this book is full of principles and wisdom and advice that will help us uh, lead a better life. And we're going to be kind of flipping around because these are short uh, sayings. These are short, wise sayings. So it might be a little bit hard to keep up, but we'll have it on the screen here behind me. And so here are three ways that, that you can become the person that you are looking for. Number one, number one, if you want to become the person you're looking for, you should fear God. You should fear God. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 14, starting in verse 26. Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. Proverbs teaches us here and really all throughout the book that we need to be people who fear God. And these verses are so interesting because they hold up fear as a positive and a good thing. But we so often look at fear as a bad thing, right? We also often want to have fear out of our life. But Proverbs really holds it up as a good thing. But here's where Proverbs helps us. It's the object of our fear that makes all of the difference. If we're afraid of, of losing our job, if we're afraid of the economy crashing, if we're afraid of what people might think of us, we're not going to experience the, the joy and the blessing that is promised in these verses. If we want to experience those things, we've got to fear God. That leads to a secure for, fortress. And, and fearing God doesn't mean that we're like scared of him and we're afraid to approach him. It actually does just the opposite. It means we have a deep respect and that leads us toward obedience. It le leads us toward uh, being even closer to him. It means we have a healthy fear of, of the consequences of disobedience and, and we come closer to him in the middle of that. 
If you're fearing God, you go through life asking, does this honor God and not merely can I get away with it? Really fearing God is kind of like Old Testament uh, language for being somebody who walks closely with God. And so whether you're married, single, or dating, your future is really shaped by whether or not you fear God. And as you consider who you would want to date and who you would want to marry, you should ask if they are somebody who fears God with their life. Not just are they a Christian, although that's a a good thing to ask also, but are they actually somebody who fears God? Are they walking closely with God? Does their life reflect someone who honors God? This is one of the areas I needed to work on in my life before I was ready to date. I think back to my life in high school and how much of an idiot I was then. Like, you think I'm stupid now. You have, you have no idea. Um, I think about how much of an idiot I was then, and I'm so glad that God uh, kept me from dating back then. But over time, as I've, worked, as I've waited and as I've walked more with God, I've, I've learned to, to fear him, and, and I've grown closer to him in that. And this is one of the things that really first attracted me to Joanna, we met our, our freshman year at Bible College, and I quickly began to notice that she was somebody who feared God, somebody who had a close relationship with God. It's, it's kind of easy at Bible College, if, if I'm being really honest, it's kind of easy to put on this like show of godliness, but to actually be a pretty ungodly person. Um, and so, but as I got closer to her, I realized that that was not her, that she was somebody who was walking closely with God. She was somebody who wanted to honor God with her life. And so that, that attracted me to Joanna. So if we want to become the person we're looking for, we first, we've got to be people who fear God. Well, secondly, we need to work hard. We need to work hard. Proverbs chapter 24, starting in verse 30. I went past the field of a sluggard, which is just a great word. I wish we used that word more for lazy people. I think we should bring it back. Anyway, I went, ba- I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Proverbs is is clear here and and again throughout that, that laziness leads to poverty. And I think it's helpful here to to point out that Proverbs are not guaranteed promises. They're not guaranteed promises. They're they're wise sayings that are generally true about our world. And I think you can maybe see why that's important to point out here, because probably all of us could name a few people who are rather lazy, but who aren't in poverty right now, right? We could probably all name a few of those people, but they probably are not going to stay rich for very long, because the truth is Laziness leads to poverty. Laziness also shows a, a heart that is not willing to serve for the betterment of self and the betterment of society because we all have a, a role to play in making the world a better place. And laziness is saying, you know what? I don't want to play that role. I just want to sit here and enjoy my life. Whatever you do in life, no matter what that is, whether that's school or a career or raising a family, any of those things are going to take work. And so we need to be people who work hard and look to marry people who work hard. And here's how we can know what their work ethic will be like in marriage. We can look at their track record of how they have handled work, how they've handled responsibilities, how they've handled relationships in the past. We can look at at the kind of person that they are, how they've been in the past, and that's going to show us who they might be like in marriage. 
a pastor named Mike Todd who has this helpful saying. We don't marry potential, we marry patterns. We don't marry potential, we marry patterns. We don't marry what we hope to see in somebody someday. We marry who they are showing themselves to be today. Who are they showing themselves to be? Are they showing themselves to be somebody who works hard, who honors God with their life? Are they showing themselves to be someone who's lazy, who doesn't really care as much about their relationship with God, who just does the bare minimum in their relationship with God? I hear people talk a lot about potential, and and so often I think when we say someone has potential, what we're really saying is, you know, he could be a really good person, but he's choosing not to be right now, but I really hope that someday that somehow changes. And when we put it that way, maybe that sounds pretty foolish, but I think so often we swindle ourselves into thinking that this relationship is somehow a good idea. Someday he'll be something different, but he's not shown himself to be anything different so far, and so we shouldn't be Fooled. And so when we're dating someone, we need to honestly evaluate who they are showing themselves to be today. Don't marry potential. Marry who they are showing themselves to be. And this is really what we talked about a few weeks ago um, in our series, The Fight of Our Life. I, I talked with you about how our habits are forming who we are becoming. And so we, when we're dating someone, we should look at, at who what their habits are and what that kind of person that is showing them to be. So to become the person we're looking for, number two, we need to work hard. But third, third thing we need to do if we want to become the person we're looking for is that we need to make wise choices. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 12. Look at verse 15. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. And drop down to verse 26. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. The book of Proverbs really has a lot to say about wisdom. If you've never read through Proverbs, I'd encourage you to maybe take some time and do that. You're going to learn a lot about what wisdom is and how it can really change your life. But both of these verses point out that if we want to make wise choices, we need to have people in our life who can speak wisdom into our life, who can give us advice, who can help us make good choices. We need good friends. You see, so often when someone destroys their life, you can look back at the, the string of unwise choices, the, the bad decisions that they've made, and almost every single time at the beginning of that, you'll find that they cut people out of their life who are going to hold them to truth and who are going to hold them to making good decisions. Almost every single time, they cut those people out of their life because they knew they were going to hold them accountable, and they go and they find new friends, well, they're not really friends, who are going to kind of support them in their poor decision-making. As I look back on my life, I'm so grateful that I had people speaking wisdom into my life, helping me make wise choices. See, God has blessed me with a really great life, and I realize that so much of what is true of my life is the result of a decision that I made. But here's the thing. So many of those decisions that I made, I would not have made without wise advice, without people in my life speaking into my life and helping me make good decisions. If it weren't for some of the counsel I got in high school, I I probably would have dated some girls that I had absolutely no business dating. If it weren't for the advice of others, I don't know that I would have started pursuing full-time ministry with my life. If it weren't for the counsel I got in college, I doubt I would have made some of the good decisions in my relationship with Joanna that set us up for success. If it weren't for the wisdom of some friends, I don't know if I would have actually ended up here at Bridgewater. 
I could probably go on all day and tell you about decisions that I made that I'm not sure if I would have ever made them if it weren't for the advice of other people, if it weren't for good friends who were speaking into my life. And so you need to have some good friends who give you good advice. But I think one step beyond that is, is making sure you're intentional about asking for that advice. It's one thing to, to have people give you advice as, as they see fit, but I think it's another thing to say, hey, can you help me with this? Can you help me see what I'm not seeing? Can you help me uh, make this decision because I know that I don't see everything and I'm not wise enough on my own? This was rather painfully illustrated for me on Friday when we were moving. Those who are here are probably already laughing in their minds because they know exactly what I'm referring to. Um, we had already emptied the truck. Uh, we moved on Friday, and so we had already emptied the, the truck, um, and I was going, someone was coming to drop off some lunch for us. Um, it was very kind of them to do that, and so I was going to go, I went to back up the truck so that they didn't have to walk up this long driveway as much, and, and my wife's car um, was parked behind me, uh, behind the moving truck, and there were some people around, and so I kind of just assumed uh, that they would tell me if I was getting too close to her vehicle. That ended up being a rather poor assumption um, because I ended up backing into her car um, and I cracked the bumper and cracked her, uh, the, the headlight on her car. And so now I'm gonna have to pay to, to fix that. But here, here's what's interesting about that. Here's what's important about that. All of that could have been avoided if I just asked for help. That's all I had to do. There were people around who were very extremely helpful people. If I had simply asked them for help and said, hey, can you make sure I don't hit my wife's car? If I just asked that question, they would have made sure that I did not do that. But how often does that happen to us in life? Where people can see things that we can't see. People have a perspective that we don't have. And they would be happy to help us if we just asked. If we just said, hey man, I don't know, I know that I'm not seeing everything here. Can you help me make this decision? As I'm thinking about maybe changing jobs, can you help me make this decision? Can you see what I'm not seeing? Can you speak into my life? We need to have wise, godly people in our lives, and we need to ask them for their help. Say, hey man, can you help me see what I'm not seeing? And making those wise decisions is especially, especially important in the area of relationships and who you marry. See, who you marry is maybe one of the most important decisions you'll make in your entire life. If you're dating intentionally, again, you're trying to figure out if, if this is the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with. And in that process, I think you both need people in your life who are speaking into your life and who can give you wisdom and help you see if this is truly the person you should be spending your life with. And here's why that's so important. When you're dating someone and you really, really like them, it's so easy to overlook things that you should not be overlooking. It is so easy to just ignore red flags because you really like them and you think they're cute and you want to spend the rest of your life with them. It's really easy to overlook those things. So you need people in your life who love you enough to tell you the truth and who love you enough to say, hey man, I don't know if that is such a great idea and here is why. Can take a lot of guts to say to someone who's swooning for some girl or some guy that they are not marriage material. But here's the thing the most unloving thing we can do is let someone walk into a marriage that is going to make them miserable. If we truly love them, 
We've got to say, hey, I don't know if that's a great idea. And so if you're in that spot, someone's telling you not to marry that girl or that guy, I'm going to ask you, please, please listen to that concern. If you're hearing the same thing, the same message from multiple godly people, that should be a big red flag. And you should ask yourself, is this the right person? It's so important to surround ourselves with people who will tell us what we need to hear and not simply what we want to hear. If we want to become people... If we want to become the people that we are looking for, we need to fear God, we need to work hard, and and we need to make some wise choices. And so my challenge for you this morning is to pick maybe just one of those three areas and begin this week to work on that. Because you see, regardless of whether you're married, you're dating, or you're, you're single, these are really all things that we should be pursuing. These are all things that God calls us to. And so how can you this week begin to fear God some more? Maybe for you, it's taking time out of your day to actually spend time with him and grow your relationship with him. Maybe it's getting rid of that sin in your life that you've just been growing more and more comfortable with. How can you this week begin to work hard? Maybe you've been lazy at home. Maybe you've been lazy at work. Maybe you've even been lazy in your relationships, not putting in the work necessary. How can you this week begin to make some wise choices? Maybe you need to find some people to speak into your life and ask them to be doing that. Or maybe you need to even go and apologize to the people that you cut out of your life because you knew they were going to hold you accountable. Well, the good news for all of us this morning is that regardless of our past, today we can start to make wise choices, we can begin to work hard, and we can begin to fear God. See, the good news this morning is that no matter what baggage you came in here with this morning, you are not defined by that past. You are not defined by your past relationships. You are not defined by the mistakes you have made in the past. The good news of the message of the Bible is that Jesus came and he came to to pay for those mistakes that we've made, that sin that we have walked in, no matter what it is, no matter who you are, no matter what you've came from, Jesus came to pay for those mistakes. Jesus came to to, to pay the debt that you owed. And so no matter who you are, no matter what kind of relationships you have been in in your life, Jesus is standing and he is saying, come to me. I'd love to have a relationship with you. Some of you might even be here this morning and thinking that you're not worthy to, to marry or even to date a godly person because you think you've messed up too much. Well, here's the good news of the message of the Bible. You are not too far gone. You are not too far gone. You are not too messed up. Jesus can redeem and he can restore you no matter who you are. Jesus can change your life and he can lead you into a restored relationship with him and restored relationships with people around you. And if you're you're maybe new here or you're new to the message of Jesus, we'd love to have a conversation with you about how Jesus can change your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for how he has come and he has uh, made it possible for us to find forgiveness of our sins, that he has made it possible for us to have a restored relationship with you and, and that that relationship can really change all of our relationships in life. We thank you that you've given us your word and it gives us advice, it gives us counsel on really every area of life and even in the crazy world of dating. You don't leave us directionless. 
Father, I pray that we would be a people who pursue you, that we would become the people that we are looking for, that we wouldn't look outward to, to fix our problems as if that person out there is going to somehow make me happy, but realize that we need to first work on us. We need to become the people that you want us to be, to pursue hard our relationship with you and let everything else kind of fall in around that. Thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.